you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations. Well, hello and welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria. Great to have you back with us. We have a very special program today in celebration, and as it turns out, this feast falls on the very day that we're able to do the program, Francis, and great to have you back with us in the studio. Francis Harry, how are you? I'm feeling very blessed. How about you? I'm feeling very lucky that we got into the studio. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We had some uh, logistics uh, challenges today. Francis and I were both confused as to where the broadcast would be taking place. We actually... uh, are in the midst of moving. I think that's been shared with a much of the listening audience to a new facility. We're looking forward to that, uh, but it doesn't occur actually till next week. So um, we um, we thought that we were moving to that uh, this week, and both Francis and I ended up there looking at each other, wondering where everybody else was. <laughs> By the grace of God, we are here, and we hope we have an audience listening out there. <laughs> I'm sure we do. This is a great day, one of the most significant days, really. Uh, in our church, and a um, a feast that we're celebrating today is one that I think needs to be echoed time and time again. Certainly it was by uh, previous Pope John Paul II, a great champion of um, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, that was followed by Benedict. And we'll wait to see what our current Pope, St. Francis, uh, has to say about both this feast and the rosary. We certainly know of his affinity to Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, uh, but um, we'll wait to see what he's got to say uh, over the next uh, uh, many months, I think, about the significance of the rosary in his own life. Uh, certainly for us as Carmelites, it is one of the principal devotions we have to the Blessed Mother, uh, but for all of Catholicism and all of Christendom, really, uh, the rosary is among the most, if not the most powerful prayers available to us for a whole host of reasons, and we're going to talk about those today, Francis. But as always, we're going to begin our conversation with prayer. Would you lead us in prayer? And I'd like to take this prayer from the Angelus, which is another devotion to the Blessed Mother, but it it speaks clearly about pouring forth grace into our hearts, which when we pray the rosary, um, that's what we're opening up ourselves to, is relationship with God and being touched by Him through His grace. So in the name of the Father, and then the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Pour forth, we beseech Thee, O Lord, Thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We know, Francis, uh, so often we... um, recite these prayers that we may have become familiar with over uh, the course of our lives and as we've uh, grown and uh, been exposed to a number of different prayers, many vocal prayers, which we quickly remember. Uh, That would be an example of one very powerful prayer, and we're not going to sort of unpack it today, uh, but I think it's worth noting um, in, in response, at least in part, to the concern that is often expressed with regard to vocal prayers, pre-written uh, and prescribed prayers. Uh, folks often say, well, you know, it's it's boring, it's monotonous. I, I, um, I don't get anything out of reciting, and I would offer two things. First, uh, in a prayer as powerful as the one you just prayed, unpacking it and trying to 
get behind the words and really understanding the deeper meaning of what the Holy Spirit may be trying to communicate to us in that very powerful prayer is one way to get a deeper experience of the prayer. The second, which we're going to discuss as we focus on this great feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary, is to use a prayer like that as an entry into contemplative prayer. Yes. And that's exactly what the rosary is for us, certainly yes. as Carmelites. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's vain repetition. Well, it's only vain if it's if it's not meant, you know, if it's not prayed, if it's not uh, with ardor. You know, uh, we, we pray with love. And even if we're, we're in a dry state, uh, we pray with confidence. We pray with meaning. Uh, we don't have to have a feeling. It is a choice. In fact, I think sometimes uh, when we pray when it's the hardest is when we prove ourselves the most, that we're there to uh, develop our relationship with God and we're not there just to, to get a, a good feeling um so uh yes the the rosary is an example um of how to enter into that contemplative state and we'll be discussing that more but uh don't let the repetition uh throw you off that repetition can help get you grounded and it's it's not vain repetition i i think the scripture passage was focusing on it, the vanity the vainness <clears throat> when we just pray the words and think it's like a magic formula no 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 and there is a risk to that uh, and i have to confess i've i've attended uh, prayer sessions, typically after Mass in any of the churches here in the local area, and this is true across the country, I suspect, there'll be groups that will meet to pray the rosary. Yes. Um, and there is the danger, there is the risk uh, that the sequence of prayers can be, um, in that form, can become somewhat repetitive. Um, it's an exercise. It's a, you know, something that is simply gotten through. Uh, you sometimes get this sense. And so I want to um, you know, sort of balance the conversation and say, yes, that's a genuine risk. There is the, the possibility, uh, especially if we have a devotion to the rosary, um, that we may fall into allowing it to become a simple sequence of repetitive prayers. But I think through the writings of John Paul II this evening, through some comments of um, Padre Pio, I know you've done uh, considerable research, and then a book that we want to bring to the attention of our listeners that they may not be familiar with. It's a fairly recent publication. Um, these examples will bring out the real power of the rosary, not just as a means of entering into contemplative prayer, but a, as a means of literally addressing every major obstacle in our life today, everything that we face, whether it's a breakdown in relationships, financial burdens, uh, dryness in prayer, which you mentioned, um, whatever it is, the Blessed Mother is inviting us through this means, which she gifted to us, yes. uh, to enter into a deeper experience with her and through her to be brought uh, to a deeper experience of our Lord. And that's what the rosary is primarily about. That's the power within it. Um, and we want to start, I think, um, in our conversation by providing a little bit of backdrop to this feast. So, yes. Why don't you tell us about that backdrop? Well, the title of Our Lady of the Rosary is traced back to an apparition of the Blessed Mother, of course, to St. Dominic. We know that. Uh, the famous St. Dominic. <laughs> and, and according to Dominican tradition, around 1208, St. Dominic was in Proul, France, I think I said that right, attempting to convert the Albigensians. Oh, is that how, how you say that? that? <laughs> I thought it was Albigensians. So. Uh, 
in fairness, uh, Francis, you and I have discussed in the past that this is also based on um, this uh, history of the Desert Fathers and the praying, praying of, of the, the beads and the Psalms, right. the, the 150 uh, beads being a way of uh, reminding themselves if they couldn't memorize the Psalms, some of them couldn't read, then the beads were a means of doing that. Um, but uh, tradition for us has it that uh, Mary giving the rosary to St. Dominic is recognized um, perhaps as a legend, but the development of the prayer form owes much to St. Dominic. And his uh, followers, yes, very much. On October 13, of course, Our Lady of Fatima told the children in in um, that great series of uh, visits, and of course we've done a whole series on Our Lady of Fatima, as you recall, she said, I am the Lady of the Rosary. So our Blessed Mother herself wanted to make sure to impart this message to us. And we won't go back over the um, circumstances regarding Our Lady of uh, Fatima. Uh, again, we've done a series on that. I do encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that because the Rosary plays a prominent role there. Yeah, in fact, you can go back to um, uh, radiomiria.us or .org and um, find uh, programs and look for Carmelite Conversations and then go into the archives and, and you'll find all kinds of of programs. We've, we've been doing this for about three years, I think. <laughs> Going on three years. Yeah. Well, a more recent history of this, and I just want to trace back uh, first uh, the original name of this feast, which, of course, was Our Lady of Victory, a title yes. that still remains for the Blessed Mother. Isn't that the same title of the statue that smiled on little Therese, the yes. little flower? Yes. Our Lady of Victory. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the way I remember it. I yeah. And, you know, it, the, we're going to trace just briefly the history here of the uh, changing of this feast day, the title of this feast day, to Our Lady of the Rosary. But, of course, Our Lady of Victory is still a very prominent title. There's a church that I go to in upstate New York where my wife is from, um, which is called Our Lady of Victory. It's actually yeah. my favorite church in, in that little town. So uh, it's still a very prominent title in the church. And didn't the immigrants have um, a, a church by that name? And, and some of them came across the ocean, and, you know, they built this new church um, of Our Lady of Victory, you know, mm -hmm. to, to honor and thank her for getting across the ocean yeah. and for su being successful in, in getting uh, to the new world. I think there's some history on that. There's well, a lot of history on all of this. It's important, I think, that we not lose the significance of that title. Of course, Our Lady of the Rosary speaks to what the feast really celebrates, but Our Lady of Victory talks about exactly what we're going to have a conversation over, and that is victory through the rosary. Yes. In fact, I think you showed me a book earlier that you had used as a bit of research for this. Now, the rosary is the answer. Um, we're going to quote Padre Pio briefly in his telling us about victory through the rosary. Victory over what? Victory over everything. All of the obstacles that, that assault the church today, all of the obstacles that assault us individually, and I would argue all the obstacles that are assaulting us um, in, in this world today, we can simply point to Washington over the last uh, a few days and, and certainly see um, you know, the workings of, uh, of uh, confusion, if you will, that, that uh, uh, our world is uh, facing and trying to resolve its own problems. The rosary is the answer. The rosary is the means to victory. Turning to our Blessed Mother, entering into vocal prayer, 
meditative prayer, and then contemplative prayer, as we're going to discuss it, can lead to victory. And, you know, the rosary is is like a school of prayer itself, and it's for the most simple among us to the most educated, most prayerful among us. So it the beauty of it is it can be adapted to whatever state uh, the soul is in um, the one who needs the most to the one who has the most um, it, it doesn't matter it all of us can benefit from it and it's simple it's easy you know I get tired of um things that are complex um, cell phones are very complex I miss the old easy ones and I miss the old uh, stop play reverse pause on the DVD players so simplicity has a lot to say for itself well how many of our saints have told us have counseled us to seek simplicity in yes. our lives right and you know we sometimes Francis I know you and I both have an affinity to books and we can read and we can intellectualize and we can uh, theorize and and uh, postulate. Get in, yeah, get into deep theological discussions. But you know, our Blessed Mother was very simple. Mm-hmm. She lived a very simple life, and she wants us to enter into the experience of her life, not for a intellectual exercise, not for a um, sort of you know visioning exercise, but really enter into the book that you shared with me this evening. Enter into her silence. Enter into the mm-hmm. experience of the Lord, and in so doing. All of the events of our life, both the good and the bad, begin to take on a different meaning. They right. begin to be healed within us. Because and our peri- our spiritual perspective is expanding and our heart is enlarging because we're, we're pondering through the eyes of Mary, through the heart of Mary, the mysteries of Christ's life. And that changes us. Uh, we, we may not even be aware of it. I would say most of us are probably not aware of it. But over the long haul, the change does occur and sometimes very rapidly. But, but the thing is to, to pray and p- to pray is to open yourself to having a relationship, to having contact with God the Father. And you know, you said something earlier that, you know, sometimes you'll hear this concern on people's part that, well, it's, it's repetitive and, you know, how many times do I want to say the same mystery and blah, blah, blah. The problem with that uh, position is we could contemplate life's, uh, the, uh, Christ's life, rather, for our entire life nonstop and never fully come to appreciate uh, the depth of Christ and the experience of his life in his short 33 years on this earth, uh, not to mention, of course, his mystical uh, life. Yeah. But we can't presume that as we enter into the rosary, that it is limited to our intellectual sort of musings on the mysteries. Right. The Holy Spirit is at work here. The yes. Holy Spirit is imparting as we avail ourselves. That's contemplative prayer. Right. It is not, well, okay, last week I used that book to, to focus on the meditations. This week I'll use this one. And, the, you know, we've gone through a dozen of them and we begin to wear thin in our intellectual visioning, if you will, of the of various mysteries. And, of course, the Blessed Mother would instruct us as have so many saints through the years. No, it's entering into the contemplative experience of the rosary and letting the Holy Spirit reveal to you what is the meaning of the uh, the incarnation, Christ's birth. What is the significance um, uh, uh, of um, 
you know, the Blessed Mothers finding him in the temple. What, what does that mean to us individually? We have to leave some of that to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me throw in a couple applications right away um, so that if we get to the end of the program, we, we will not have neglected this. But, you know, you can approach uh, praying the, the prayers by meditating on the mysteries as we know them or by make, um, by helping yourself to be a character in that mystery. You know, be Christ. You know, you know, stand in his shoes. Walk, walk his way. Or, or be the Blessed Mother. Or be the, uh, uh, centurion or, you know, the soldier or, or whoever. Uh, but you could also come from it, um, from the aspect of the virtues. What virtue is this? Is this about the humility, uh, of Christ or the poverty or his silence or his love? Um, you know, what, what virtue is standing out? Or, or what is this mystery saying to you in your life today? You know, today you're having a terrible day. Uh, you're, you're saddened about something. So you can relate to the sorrowful mysteries better. And, it, it can shed light on the sorrow in your own life. And, and there are numerous ways to approach. But in the end, you know, uh, it's not going to get all these books to get all these techniques, but it is to just to begin and to be listening, like you said, Mark, to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into how to pray. But certainly it is not just rambling through the words while you're thinking of your shopping list. <laughs> right, and, and nor is it <clears throat> exclusively the intellectual exercise uh, of, you know, as you said, just going and buy the <clears throat> top dozen uh, rosary meditation books and I'll get through all those. It's availing ourselves of the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do with us. We have to understand the mystery of the rosary. It is to focus on mysteries in the life of Christ and the life of Mary, including, of course, St. Joseph and others. Uh, But it is to enter into a contemplative experience and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. Does it, um, it, can it work to sedate us on on some level? Could we become, you know, sort of, uh, um, sedate's probably the best word. You know what I'm talking about, sort of groggy and... Tired. Yeah. I know the little flower. She fell asleep and she says, I don't understand why I fall asleep when I'm praying the rosary. I love the Blessed Mother so much. And I think she just went into a very deep contemplative prayer. (laughs) Yeah. And and we should. She knows that the Lord loves her regardless. And the, the, the point is the will, the will to pray, the will to love God, the will to be there, to choose, to want to have contact with God and to open yourself to his gaze. I just love how Pope Francis keeps bringing out the gaze of the Father upon us. Mm. So, yes, we need to look up at the Father, but also receive his gaze. And so through the rosary, we're looking through the eyes of Mary on the mysteries of Christ. And we can see the Holy Mother, our Blessed Mother's gaze upon us and upon all these figures in the mysteries. Um, oh, my goodness. We could go on and on with that. <laughs> well, let's just quickly sort of um, give the backdrop of this feast of our Lady of Victory it was actually instituted in 1213 uh, by Simone de Montfort, 5th Earl of Leicester, who built a, a shrine to Our Lady of Victory. And then in 1571, Pope Pius uh, V instituted the Feast of Our Lady of Victory, an annual feast to commemorate the victory 
of the Battle of Lepanto. Famous. Now, this is a famous battle. Very so famous. We probably don't have to go over a lot of this, but um, 7 October 1571, when the fleet of the Holy League, uh, representing a number of European uh, Catholic states, uh, decisively defeated the main, defeated, sorry, the main fleet of the Ottoman Empire um, in a huge battle that occurred just on the northern edge of the Gulf of Corinth off western Greece. The Ottoman forces sailing westward from their naval station in Lepanto uh, met the Holy League in uh, the Gulf, um, and uh, which had come from Messina. And the Holy League prevented the Ottoman Empire in this battle from any further expansion along the European side of the Mediterranean. Now, many historians, uh, Francis, I read this morning, believe that this was a turning point not only for this war, but in history. It really uh, sort of um, uh, put up the defenses of any further uh, expansion of the Ottoman Empire and, of course, the uh, the Muslim uh, forces aligned with them uh, into uh, Europe. And uh, so a decisive victory, to say the least. Yeah, there's lots and lots and lots written on this from all yeah, kinds of It's very interesting. And if you have, a, if you have a, a affinity to naval warfare, of course, you would be familiar with this anyway. But uh, the, the um, interesting back and forth of the um, experience of the, of the forces. But what's interesting is that the Pope, had called on the countries of the Holy League, uh, the Catholic countries aligned, to pray the rosary um, with regard to preparation for this battle. And I'm told, at least I read this morning, that everyone who was aboard those ships, they had a the rosary. men themselves carried rosaries. Right. Now, and they also had an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's right, uh, so which our had lady been sent from was, an archbishop yeah. in, uh, in Mexico. So she was present in uh, the In picture so many form. ways, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1573, Pope Gregory VIII changed the title of our Feast of Our uh, Lady of Victory to the Feast of the Holy Rosary. The feast was extended by Pope Clement XI to the whole Latin rite, inserting it into the Roman Catholic calendar of saints in 1716 and assigning Sunday... Uh, in October, of course, it's uh, the 7th of October now. Uh, Pope Pius X changed it to 7 October in 1913 in order to restore um, the celebration to the liturgy of Sundays. I think it's important we understand, um, as I said a moment ago, the rosary is the sign of victory for the church. Yes. It is not just about individual victories. It is not just about um, uh, these uh, maritime battles. It is the victory of the church that we're talking about and the victory of all uh, her faithful followers. Now, uh, John Paul II, of course, uh, wrote uh, an apostolic letter, as many of the popes did, by the way, uh, but the most recent from John Paul II, entitled On the Most Holy Rosary. And he says this, The most important reason for strongly encouraging the practice of the rosary is that it represents a most effective means of fostering among the faithful a commitment to the contemplation of Christian mystery, which, as I have proposed, he says in a previous letter, Novo Millennium Iniunte, as a genuine training in holiness. And this is needed in Christian life, uh, distinguished above all in the art of prayer. Now, is that not a Carmelite theme, Francis, that we're getting from a previous book? Yes, commitment to the (laughs) contemplation of the Christian mystery, training in holiness. Yes, indeed. And you don't have to go to get your degree in theology to do this. This school of prayer is simple. uh, But just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's not profound. He goes on in this very letter to say the rosary belongs among the finest and most 
most praiseworthy traditions of Christian contemplation. Developed in the West, it is typically meditative prayer corresponding in many ways to the prayer of the heart or the Jesus prayer, which we're, of course, familiar with from the Christian East. Yeah, and you know, the the, the West and the East are like the two lungs of the church, and you need both of them to breathe, yeah. <laughs> to breathe well. And there's a, there's a perspective from some, I think, uh, misguided as it might be, that the East has a deeper appreciation for the contemplative experience and for uh, the application of prayer to help us enter into uh, the experience of, of prayer of the heart. But, of course, the rosary is preeminent in that, and that is... Um, uh, largely the gift of the Catholic Church uh, to that experience. So John Paul wanted to reiterate that in that letter. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of the key saints associated with the rosary and what they had to say. And we're also going to pick up on this letter uh, of the um, Holy Father, previous Holy Father John Paul II, and go through how he brings us into an understanding of the use of the rosary in leading us into contemplative prayer. Please join us. A reminder, you're listening to Radio Maria and Catholic Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back. Sunday. 
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. We have a very special program today that we've been talking about, and that is this Feast of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary. And I don't know, Francis, that you and I, we certainly would never be able to conclude this conversation in an hour. We're going to do it in the interest of time, but uh, I know your appreciation for the rosary. Mine came uh, perhaps later in life, but I can confess that Um, It is, and I have said this, in fact, in this forum, it is the number one prayer that I pray. It is the um, first thing I turn to when I wake up in the middle of the night, which I do quite often, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm beginning to believe, as I shared with my wife the other night, uh, I'm beginning to believe that that is my call to prayer. Uh, We are both familiar with an individual, I won't uh, share the gentleman's name, but someone who I know uh, does his praying in the middle of the night. He literally wakes up at midnight, prays for about three hours, and then goes back to bed, which to me is a phenomenal thing. But um, thankfully, the Blessed Mother hasn't called upon me for quite that level of sacrifice yet. But I do most often awake in the middle of the night. And uh, just you had offered some suggestions. I'll offer my own. Um, with regard to the rosary, I go to sleep at night with a rosary. I, I wouldn't yeah. think of crawling into bed without a rosary wrapped around my wrist. I oh, do it every e- single night. Even St. Padre Pio um, went to bed with the rosary wrapped around his hand. Well, in fact, he kept it around his hand all day. And, um, <laughs> he was praying it all yeah, day. He, he, he had constantly. a gift, a special gift of praying the rosary in a way um, beyond our average bear. <laughs> well, you know, I said before we went to break, there are a couple of key saints um, that I wanted us to focus on uh, who had great devotion to the rosary. Of course, we mentioned John Paul II. We could mention any one of a number of Carmelites. Yes. Uh, Therese of Avila, of course, uh, is um, is quoted as saying she never went to bed at night until she'd prayed her rosary. Uh, no matter what the day was, well, how long and exhausting it might have been, she would not go without praying her rosary. Um, it, it's true for all of the, the great Carmelite saints, but uh, we want to bring a couple of others, I think, um, into this discussion that John Paul mentions in this letter. Well, I think two of the key ones would be St. Louis de Montfort, who, who wrote extensively on uh, the Blessed Mother and the Rosary and consecration to Mary, and also uh, the saint I just mentioned, uh, St. Padre Pio. Now, Petrosina. Padre Pio, yeah, we just recently celebrated his feast day. September 23rd. Right, very good. Uh, and he was extremely devoted to the Blessed Mother. This doesn't always come out in, in writings about him, but he had great devotion to the Blessed Mother, and, of course, by virtue of that great devotion to the Rosary. And he had a, a saying uh, that he's famous for regarding the Rosary. Yeah, the Rosary is our weapon. It's our weapon in our spiritual warfare. In fact, he had a lot of sayings. Now, Francis, I'm going to let you... Um, uh, go through this list because I think all of them were where he actually said pages and pages of things about the rosary. In fact, I mentioned there's a website you can find uh, regarding uh, Padre Pio, of course, Saint Pio's devotion specifically to Our Lady and to the rosary. Uh, but because this one affected me, I, I, I'm going to steal the first one from you and say, <laughs> uh, in answer to a question from a Father Mariano who he was in conversation with regarding how many rosaries he prayed each day, Padre Pio, St. Pio said, well, about 30, maybe some more, but never less than that. 
And Father Mariano says, well, how do you do it? And Padre Pio responded, well, what is night for, <laughs> <Exactly>. after all? <laughs> it certainly wasn't for sleep, was it? <laughs> yeah. And of course, we know he spent many nights at vigil, well, um, and his favorite prayer was the rosary. And we know, um, you know, he did say that his weapon was the rosary, and, and we know St. Teresa, the little flower, um, when she talked about her weapons, it was prayer and sacrifice. Mm. So, um, but, you know, the, the rosary, it, it is so helpful. Uh, Padre Peel tells us, pray the rosary frequently. It costs so little, and it's worth so much. And that we can't live without the rosary. Say the rosary. Pray it every day. The rosary is the weapon of defense and salvation. Is the weapon given us by Mary to use against the tricks of the infernal enemy. Mary has recommended the rosary at Lourdes, at Fatima. These are both approved apparitions of the Blessed Mother, by the way, because of its exceptional value for us and our times, and our times today. That's a very important point. You know, the rosary, again, John Paul II in his apostolic letter uh, cautions against this resistance to the rosary that somehow it is outdated or it should be um, you know, uh, viewed as a pre-Vatican II, if you will, uh, form of prayer. And even very faithful Catholics I know uh, say when I may bring up the conversation of the rosary, oh, no, I don't pray the rosary. I'm not like the little old ladies in the back of the church that pray the rosary. How many times have you heard that statement? Mm-hmm. And, of course, my response is always, those little old ladies in the back of the church praying the rosary are keeping the world, you know, together right yeah, now. <laughs> we don't know what's going on in their souls or how they're approaching that rosary. We're only seeing what's on the outside, and, and so that means you miss a great deal. <laughs> yeah. The rosary, St. Padre Pio again picks up and says, it's the prayer of the Madonna. I mean, what more... Uh, confidence do we need in a devotion than to know that the Blessed Mother gave it to us? Well, yeah, I mean, it's her pondering the mysteries of Christ, and who knew the mysteries of Christ better than her? Who knew Christ more intimately from the moment he was conceived to the moment he dies and resurrected? Uh, The Blessed Mother is there. And for us as Carmelites, now I'll speak for a moment to our Carmelite listeners, and of course, Francis and I are very familiar with our uh, orders devotion to the Blessed Mother. She, of course, is the patron, uh, patroness of our order. Uh, Mary is present in every mystery of the rosary. It really is a reflection on her life. And without getting into a discussion of Mariology, we've covered her life a great deal in a number of broadcasts. But um, the point I want to make is Mary is our model. She is the first apostle. She is the one who leads us into this relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And, of course, her significance in this time in history uh, cannot be disputed with so many um, devotions and, and revelations and, and messages to the world. It is the Blessed Mother who's preparing the world right now. Right, for because she Christ. wants to present us in the temple. You know, she wants to purify us uh, and, and return us by presenting us to the Father. And she does that by taking us through the life of Christ. And, you know, if you want uh, further confirmation of the significance of the rosary, Padre Pio says, Uh, This, our greatest enemy, Satan, is always trying to destroy the rosary. Of course, he will never succeed. Look at what Satan is trying to destroy, and you know what is of value. That would be the family. That would be the priesthood. And certainly that's true of the rosary. Um, So much of... uh, of what our world needs today. You know, I, I forget the saint that I was reading, uh, but they had engaged in a, a battle, if you will, with Satan. And Satan said, uh, I fear the rosary above all prayers. And if the uh, 
um, faithful only knew the power of the rosary, I would be crushed. Right. Uh, so we need to take up that challenge. We need to take up that charter. And we uh, have to remember the purpose. The purpose is to get in contact with God, to be open to him, to know and do his will, to, to know Christ. You know, ignorance of Christ is, is lack of love for Christ. You know, we must know him to love him. And so uh, we have to remember that as we're praying the rosary, that is a form of prayer. And what is the bottom line is the contact with God, to to love God and receive his love that he offers us first. So, you know, if you're praying the rosary and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're caught up in, in this deep prayer, you, you should not fight that because you need to cooperate with the grace of the Holy Spirit. So you shouldn't feel like, oh, I've got to stop pondering this and finish reciting it because it only counts if I finish all five decades. I mean, we we shouldn't get caught up into legalism, Right. right? We've got to remember that this rosary is a very simple but powerful tool, weapon, yes, spiritual weapon, um, but what is the end? You know, this is the means to the end, which is contact with God. Uh, we've done a program, a series of programs, Francis, on the face of Christ, seeking the face of Christ, the yes. holy face, right? Yes. Uh, again, I would encourage our listeners to go back. Uh, I think um, those were particularly revealing programs about the significance of seeking the face of Christ. This is what John Paul says essentially in this letter. He says prayer is essentially all about seeking the face of Christ. And he begins the contemplative part of the letter with this scripture verse. He says, he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun. Now that's from Matthew 17 two, the gospel scene of Christ's transfiguration. And of course, Peter and James and John are there entranced by the beauty of the Redeemer, entranced mm-hmm. in the contemplative experience, yes. Francis. And of course, that is a mystery that we contemplate. Um, John Paul II, of course, would argue one of the central mysteries that we contemplate. We all have our favorite mysteries. Uh, I know for myself, those that involve the Holy Spirit are particularly meaningful for me. And over time, different ones become particularly meaningful. At the time when my wife was giving birth, I know the nativity was obviously mm-hmm. very significant for me. Right. Um, and this is how I think another example of where we can begin to pull um, you know, sort of life lessons and meaning from the very mi- uh, mysteries of the rosary and, and translate them. Although, as you've said, that's not the central idea. What we're trying to do is enter into a contemplative experience to look, as John Paul II goes on to say, in fact, I'm going to let you read that, Francis. We're at right To here. look. Upon. Oh, yes. I was just going to say how you, how you just gave a great example of what I'm going to read here. Um, you just remember him talking about the nativity and his wife giving birth. Um, what he wanted me to read is this to look upon the face of Christ to recognize its mystery amid the daily advance and sufferings of his human life okay and we can relate that to our human life that's my point and then to grasp the divine splendor definitively revealed in the risen Lord seated in glory at the right hand of the Father this is the task of every follower of Christ and therefore the task of each one of us in contemplating Christ's face we become open to receiving the mystery of this Trinitarian life experiencing ever anew the love of the Father and delighting in the joy of the Holy Spirit And St. Paul's words uh, can apply to us here. Beholding this glory of the Lord, we are being changed 
into his very likeness from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, Francis, I'm going to go back to something you said. We don't pick up the rosary, whether it's at 3 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, simply to get through five mysteries. Right? It's not an exercise of activity. It is an entry point into a contemplative experience of Christ. And why do we do it? So that we are changed. We contemplate the face of Christ and in gazing upon his glory, we literally are changed, as St. Paul says, from one degree of glory to another. We become changed. And you mentioned in your brief reading there, the sufferings and the joys. All of our life becomes wrapped up in this experience of Christ. All of our trials, all of our tragedies, all of our pain, no matter what it is that we carry with us in our life, and at the same time, all of the joys of finding uh, the joy in birth, of finding our lost child, right, uh, of the wedding and the, the sacrament of marriage celebrated in the, the Feast of Cana, all of these experiences of human life can be shared with, can be entered into, can be healed by uh, entering into the... Uh, contemplation of the mystery that our Blessed Mother and our Lord live through these same experiences and are risen uh, through those to glory, a glory that they invite us to participate in even here. And what you just pointed out, like the lost child or, or the giving the birth of a child, you know, these are examples how God allows us to participate in the divine life. And if we look at our own life through the mysteries of the rosary, through the mysteries of Christ's life, then new light is brought into our own darkness. New healing is brought in. New grace comes down. And if you think about it, all these prayers of the Blessed Mother and through these mysteries of Christ's life, it's always in relationship to God. You know, what pleases God or what is sinful and tears us away from God? So, um, I mean, th- the bottom line is, is the focus, the eyes are on God, the eyes on Christ, the eyes on, um, you know, his love and and being open to it you know she's not pondering herself she's pondering christ yeah uh, john paul goes on again and says the contemplation of christ has an incomparable model in mary no one he says has ever devoted himself or herself to the contemplation of the faith face of christ as faithfully as has Mary. The eyes of her heart, I love that phrase, the eyes of her heart already turned to him at the Annunciation. So what is he saying? The eyes of her heart. We know about Mary in the silence of her heart, right? We know about her interior life. And if we don't, we need to study it because Mary is our model. She is the one who will help us enter into the Holy of Holies, which of course is the interior of our own life, the interior of our soul. And there experience Christ. The rosary is not an external exercise and activity of a series of prayers. It is an entering into it begins with vocal prayer it covers the whole gamut of prayer which i think is another strength of it yes this is why children can pray the rosary my my you know children all prayed the rosary at whatever age they began to speak um and even before they could of course they would sit as we prayed it as a family and they begin to enter into it children can pray it and popes pray it 
Right. Right. So that pretty much runs Yeah, I mean, it goes from the vocal prayer Mm -hmm. to the meditative as you get more into the mysteries and then the intellectual uh, thinking. But then it it can get into that contemplative, the the gift of contemplative prayer that that is presence, you know, and and so it's a vehicle to to have this relationship with God, and it is so available to each and every one of us. And you don't even have to be Catholic to do it. It can be any person anywhere. You know, uh, uh, this letter is is so powerful. Because as I said a moment ago, it runs, the rosary runs the gamut of the human experience. When at last Mary gave birth to our Lord in Bethlehem, her eyes were able to gaze tenderly on the face of her son. Yes. As she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Yeah, Luke just think about that look. What, the gaze of the Blessed Mother on Jesus and the gaze of Jesus back at her. I mean, just to, you know, tonight, pray that decade and ponder that gaze of those two looking at each other. And thereafter, it says, Mary's gaze, ever filled with the adoration and wonder, would never leave him. At times, it would be a questioning look. For example, the episode of Finding Him in the Temple, Francis, where she says, Son, why have you treated us this way? We are invited in those moments when we question what the Lord might be doing in our (laughs) life. You know, we can enter into the temple with the Blessed Mother and say, Lord, why did you leave me? Why were you lost? You know, whatever the three-day experience might be, maybe for some of us it's three months, and for others it might be three years. Mm -hmm. But we can look into the Lord's face and say, Lord, in the entry of the rosary, why have you treated me this way? I don't understand what it is that... that, has caused us to have this separation where I couldn't find you, I couldn't experience you. And yet with with her heart, she knows that the Father's will is best. So it, it's a matter of her understanding God's will and him revealing the fullness of this mystery in time. And in scripture of course following the episode in the temple it says mary pondered all these things in her heart yes. right? oh, she didn't big. intellectualize about them just like we are not um, expected to say well gee let me figure out let me calculate why it is that the lord's operating this way or that no when we abandon ourselves to simply gaze on the face of christ when we abandon ourselves francis as you said to love all these things get consumed now can we do this on our own No, we don't have a storehouse of love that we can draw on. It's not internal to us. It has to be given to us. We love because we were first loved, Scripture says. And in contemplating Christ's entire life, both uh, the the great joys and, of course, the great sorrows, um, we can begin to enter in through our own lives to that experience. You know, thereafter it says... um, and at other times, rather, a look of sorrow, especially beneath the cross, yes. our Blessed Mother. Think about what that case was like. Mm. Would be that of a mother giving birth. But for Mary, she shared not only in that joy, but in the passion and the death of her son. How many times do we experience, um, in, in, in a unique way, that the uh, idea of the loss of a, of a child, what a tragic event for yes. us. We may not experience it fully, although many of us, of course, have and will. Uh, but maybe we experience the loss in the sense of a relationship, a severed relationship, right. or a broken heart, or a a lost disobedience, parent. or a lost parent. We can still enter in to the experience of Christ, of the Blessed Mother, of St. Joseph, who lived through all these circumstances. And let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work. Again, the rosary is not just 
for us to execute those prayers. It is to avail ourselves to contemplate the face of Christ and to allow the Holy Spirit through the events of Christ's life, of Mary's life, to begin to heal us, to expand our joy, to expand our heart, and to expand our capacity to share what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to impart to us through those mysteries. And and so it is all very, very scriptural. I mean, you can take all the prayers that make up the rosary, the vocal prayers, and and trace them to passages in the Bible, both the old and the new. And then, you know, we're going through all these mysteries. You know, you have the gaze of the Blessed Mother at the resurrection. Just think what that was like. And and the ascension. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, I mean, we just just think of it from from her perspective and the love that reverberated between those two hearts oh my goodness you know so much of our um response to the circumstances of our life is grounded in our experience of life this is basic uh, psychology it's grounded in our memories what has happened to us both the good and the bad um john paul says in this letter that Uh, The mysteries of the rosary are Mary's memories, and we can enter into her memories in a contemplative way and bring our own experience, bring our own memories, bring again our own hurt, our own sorrow, our own joy, our own wonder, and we can be healed through the contemplative experience. The rosary, John Paul II goes on, precisely because it starts with Mary's own experience, is an exquisitely contemplative prayer. And without this contemplative dimension, he says, it would lose its meaning. He cites Pope Paul VI clearly pointing out that without contemplation, the rosary is a body without a soul, and its recitation recitation runs the risk of becoming a mechanical repetition of formulas in violation of the admonition of Christ. In praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for many words. I've heard people use this very scripture verse as a way to say, well, I don't pray the rosary because all it is is heaping up you know, these empty phrases. Yes, if that's all that you apply to the rosary, if that's how you enter into the rosary, is a heaping up and repetition of many phrases, then unfortunately that's what it'll be for yeah. you. Yeah, it's got to it's got to be deep from your heart, <clears throat> and you know what you do in your heart and your mind makes a big difference. I tell my kids, you know, when we pray the rosary, I'm like, you know, it's the same amount of time. You can either be present and be praying it, or you can be present and just saying it. <laughs> well. Uh, Christ, of course, is our supreme teacher. He's the revealer. He's the one revealed. It's not a question of just learning what he taught. We could do that through some intellectual means, but it's learning him. This is what Mary allows us to enter into. And in so doing, we are able then to use those lessons and to begin to apply them in our life to gain victory what we talked about at the beginning. And I know uh, we're getting close to the end of our time together, Francis, and we're going to want to pray as we leave. But I did want to take a a moment to recommend, uh, we said that there are a number of books on the rosary, literally thousands, I suspect, that you could find on the rosary, whether they're meditations or histories or what have you. But one I'd like to strongly recommend, I read it recently myself. It's simply titled The Rosary, and the subtitle is The Prayer That Saved My Life. Now, many people are familiar with the author, uh, Immaculate, 
and her experience in Rwanda, where she lived for uh, how many weeks is it in the the bathroom of a local pastor was who was a, a friend time. of her father? Uh, I forget. I apologize. I forget the number of weeks that she was there. Uh, but literally, the uh, the uh, enemies who were looking for her outside the walls of the bathroom that she was. Uh, kept in with a number of other women, a horrible experience, of course, um, the, the Rwanda genocide. And um, this book talks not only about that experience, which she's written about in a number of other books, which I also highly recommend, but this particular book talks about the importance of the rosary to that experience and how, she says, the rosary literally got her through that. I want to just read a brief portion of the quote here. She says, um, she believes that praying the rosary spared her from being slaughtered during the horrific 1994 Rwanda genocide in which her family and more than a million other innocent men, women, and children were brutally murdered. Nearly two decades later, Immaculate continues to pray the rosary every day and marvels at how she is constantly renewed and richly rewarded by rejoicing in this glorious prayer. It has helped her in every aspect of her life, according to her, from literally saving her life to strengthening her faith, easing her sorrows. Of course, she did lose her uh, parents her and her her brothers yeah. uh, to the genocide, changing heartache into happiness, healing illness in herself and others, and solving family problems. It helped her uh, find uh, a position uh, of work, uh, return lost friends, and even um, lost keys, she says. <laughs> she's received so many blessings from the rosary. In fact, she's decided to study its history and its origins. Um, this is a great testimony to the power of uh, and the victory that can be found in the rosary. I strongly recommend it. Again, the title is simply The Rosary, The Prayer That Saved My Life, and it's by Immaculate. Uh, I'm not going to try her last name. It's a little too challenging for me, but I think everybody knows the story. And it would be found under the title The Rosary. And well, you have a couple of recommendations. Yeah, let me recommend a couple. Um, one is called The Rosary, A Road to Constant Prayer. Um, it is by Jean LaFrance, J-E-A-N. It looks like Jean, but I think it's pronounced Jean um, LaFrance. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, How to Pray the Rosary as a Pathway to Contemplation. This is by Catherine Marcelino, who is a Third Order Carmelite, Discast Carmelite, so we like that. And another one, The Rosary is the Answer, which I, I find uh, edifying because it comes from so many different perspectives by Father Herbert Burke, B-U-R-K-E. The rosary is the answer. And there's thousands of of great books out there on this topic. Yeah, I, I think our central theme, Francis, would be pray the rosary. Yes. Pray it until with, it does have meaning for you. Yeah, pray it with your heart. Pray it with your heart, exactly. And you will see the victory that is available to you in the rosary. We encourage you to do it. We promise you'll know victory through it. Francis, would you pray us out today? Yes, this comes from a prayer by Father Rob Jack. It's called, O Virgin Mother. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O Virgin Mother, in the depths of your heart, you pondered the life of the Son you brought into the world. Give us your vision of Jesus, and ask the Father to open our hearts that we may always see his presence in our lives, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, bring us into the joy and peace of the kingdom, where Jesus is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us on Carmelite Conversations. I want to encourage, as I know Francis does, 
uh, all of our listeners to go to bed tonight with a rosary in your hand. And in fact, carry a rosary with you all day long. Leave it in your pocket or your purse. Keep Make it in sure your car. it's readily available <laughs> so that you can pray it constantly. We are commissioned by St. Paul to pray constantly. The rosary is a great means of doing that. Until we are with you again next week, we got we wish you God's blessings and remind you you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. God bless. Listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.